Thank you so much, Brother Butler, for sharing the Bible stands, does it not? And uh, I love hearing those testimonies, how people have found God's Word, God has directed them to it, and they have changed their lives. John chapter 13, if you would there please, John chapter 13 this morning, the teaching of the towel, the teaching of the towel, John chapter 13, John 13, if you would there please, this is the quintessential example of sacrificial love. John chapter 13, at verse 4, he rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray to you bless the reading of your word to our hearts. We thank you so much for the music we've heard today, the challenge, the challenge from God's word to hear how it encourages our hearts that it finds lodging across the world and the Bible stands despite many who have tried to tear it apart. Lord, to help the Bible to find lodging in my life today, may each of us be have ears attentive to hear, be it those teaching downstairs that you give them words to say. Thank you for your love upon us and love bestowed to us at Calvary. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's just interesting. We might someday feel like Linus one day said in the Peanuts cartoon strip, he said this, he shouts in frustration, I love mankind. It's the people I can't stand. It's, you know, it's easy to love the human race. It was interesting. Uh, uh, Connor and I got to ride on the wagon together last night, and one time we were talking back and forth, and I leaned down, and he goes, he said one time, I love Pastor Tim. And I was like, yeah, that just that makes my day right there. And so, uh, anyway, it was, but you know, sometimes we, we see that humanity as a whole, and I love humanity as a whole, but sometimes there's a, a person at work that just really doesn't, you know, really gets on your nerves, or a person, maybe, maybe it's the pastor, maybe it's somebody else, maybe it's the neighbor, maybe it's, I don't know, but that's, uh, that's typical of today. The, the society is so encumbered with this idea of love. Matter of fact, it's changed. I was reading this commentary, probably maybe 20, 30 years ago it was written. It says, contemporary society is obsessed with love. I hate to say this, but I think a contemporary society is obsessed with the physical aspect of love and how they can be degenerate with it. I think that's what ours has become. used to be romance, and romance, I, maybe I'm just, I know I don't do much uh, outside, you know, the, the Bible and things, but romance has sort of gone by the wayside. What they want now is just living however you want to live, and it's okay that way. From, from, from business, uh, big business, to newspaper columns, to TikTok videos, to uh, Instagram things, to podcasts. It's everywhere, this talk of love and in what we should be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the modern world's idea of what love is, to our detriment, is really narcissistic. It is self-centered. It's, it's preoccupied with what do I want. It's all, we have the me too generation. It's, it's the means of self-gratification. And so, not surprisingly, if a person I am married to does not meet my needs, well, I'm going to jump ship and find somebody else that might meet my needs better than they don't. I'm going to jump ship and find somebody else. And we have, by the way, I know I'm not trying to be a hobby horse, but we train our children through our dating relationships. If it doesn't work out, just find somebody else. And then that translates into our marital relationships. If it doesn't work out, just then find somebody And uh, if you see how we've trained that way, it's interesting. The missionary just, do you remember what the missionary said? Not even during his testimony. He said, the first time I saw my wife was on the day we got married. The first time we talked face to face on the very day. And I'm telling you, the, the, uh, the percentage of marriages that stay together in India as compared to America is nearly the same. I mean, it's probably even higher than America. 
we find then there's so much about love that is not really the biblical love. It's like sort of like the girl that had found her love of her life, and she says, will you cross the widest sea for me? Oh, yes. Will you climb the highest mountain for me? Oh, yes. Will you treat me like a queen forever? Yes. Will you give your life for me? Oh, no. Mine's an undying love. <laughs> Self-sacrifice. I'm telling you that we see it here. First of all, we see the setting, and I see the Savior right off the bat, 13.1. Now, before the Feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. We know the Feast of the Passover was a celebration of the Passover all the way back from Exodus chapter 12. We understand that. This was the last actually important Passover because when Jesus dies, the Passover will no longer be needed because he has shed his blood. The picture from Exodus 12 of the sacrificial lamb, he is. John said it, 129, the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He was it. He is, he's going to give his life in just a few days, maybe a couple days. Why do I say it the way? Because some believe he is crucified on Wednesday, some Thursday, and some Friday. So I'm giving you, I'm giving you clarity that if you, whatever you have chosen, I'm covering you a few days or just one day. His hour. My hour is not yet come, he said earlier on. Now his hour has come. This is the, the hour that he has so dreaded from eternity past, yet he willingly came to be separate from his father, separated there, and that wrestling in the garden of Gethsemane Take this cup, but if it, you know, if it's your will, I'll do it. This cup's horrible, but if it's your will, I'll do it. And that's where it was won, right there. Now, God, it's, uh, we can't even begin to understand what it was like to take your sin on the sinless Savior. My sin, the sin of all of us. To depart out of the world was used only here in this connection. It speaks of a transfer from one sphere to, the, to another, if you would. Death was not going to interrupt his being. It would simply change its mode. Wonderful Sunday school lesson this morning. How that we should anticipate the dissolving of our earthly tabernacle and we are ready for a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Oh my goodness, we should be looking to that Talking with someone just yesterday. I said, if I would just keep in view with all these things that are going on, my, I've got eternal life. But this is happening. I tell you, I've got eternal life. But this is happening. Your car won't start. The furnace is going to, probably going to have to be put, the, put unburied. Our furnace it was made in 84. It's older than my son. So it's just on its last, last, the cat has nine lives. This has like, it's a nine, we're at 8.75 lives where my furnace is. Well, this, you know, I have eternal life. By God's grace, I am going to live forever with you if you know Christ as Savior, which I, by the way, I don't take that for granted. I trust each of you truly know Jesus as your Savior. If you don't, get it settled right now. It's, it's not a thing to play games with, as you well know. The Savior, and then the supper being ended in verse 2. Uh, the supper being ended. So, the, Can you imagine now? You are eating dinner with the one who's going to betray you, that's going to cost you your life, and you're eating, and you're... Oh, could you even hardly look at them? If you knew that, Jesus did. And then Satan and the devil, verse 2, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Why is it always Judas Iscariot? Because there was another Judas. 
I'm only 12 disciples. If I'm the other Judas, I am definitely wanting that last part where I'm, that guy's from, Iscariot, that's where he's from, Simon's son. Just to be clear, it's not Judas the last, or, or not, but Judas, whatever his last part of his was, James the last. It's just Judas Iscariot. The devil put into his heart, he's, he is the traitor. What a burden that the traitor is right there among you. And then he humbly washes Judas' feet. It is the greatest injury and insult imaginable. He meets that with the most humble of love. Can you imagine? He's the one that's going to cause your death. He's the one that's going to cause all this pain and suffering. He's going to treat, be a traitor to you. Why are you going to, how are you going to treat him? Now, in my, I want to say, just a wonder. Why didn't God just go, and he is like, in a moment time, he goes to smithereens. But Judas had, his greed and ambition were, had long since opened the door to the Satan's influence. Can you imagine that? Satan being influential. We have, uh, one of my co-workers was just over in Iceland two weeks ago, and Iceland has developed a, well, the most effective substance abuse, effective substance abuse for adolescents. Iceland was the absolute worst a short time ago. Not sure exactly how long. Now they're the absolute best an average of keeping adolescents off drugs. So he, he, a group had flown him over there, and he met with the, he's, as international people, the State Department people. The, anyway, he's bringing back to Kentucky four pilot counties that are going to try this new program to keep our youth off substance abuse. Carter is one. The other three are around Lexington. He lives in Carter County. That's part of it. But he, he, he made the deal with the people in Iceland to bring it to Kentucky. He went all the way over there to bring it here to see that. But you do not think, and he was talking about how China is now sending over, they're cutting fentanyl with other drugs. So he says you're going to see a spike probably in the deaths of overdose because the Narcan only affects fentanyl. It does not affect all these other drugs that are going to be there. And so the, the, the fentanyl is okay, but the other drugs are going to, they're going to kill them. And they're not going to be able to recover. And who's sending that to us? And so he says, I'm telling you, I believe Satan. Do you not think Satan is behind all these things? That he's going to, yes. He's behind, Satan's behind Judas Iscariot. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the, the Antichrist will be, I believe, indwelt by Satan at the middle of the tribulation period. He has a hand, I'll tell you what, he has a, a strong, broad reach. But I'm telling you what, he's on a leash, and God will bring him up short when God is ready for him. It's not a battle of God and Satan, and who's going to... No, God's God. I've read the end of the book. He's, he's, Satan's way down here. Now, compared to us, we're like under the ground under here. But he's way down here. But God is infinitely greater, is he not? He is. And he has a plan. I like what D.A. Carson said, I borrowed it earlier. With such power and status at his disposal, we might have expected Jesus to defeat the devil in an immediate and flashy confrontation and to devastate Judas with an unstoppable blast of divine wrath. Instead, he washes the disciples' feet, including the betrayer. I'll have to say, I've never washed, I've washed my wife's feet a couple of times when she was really sick. And uh, she needed them, I was, I was way back before 2008. I don't look at much for feet. I mean, they're a necessary part of our lives. I understand. I'm glad that my work well. I'm very thankful for those feet. But 
Can you imagine 12 men in sandals, dusty roads, all day long, and they're reclining together, and their feet are back away from the table? I'm just telling you, there's going to be a smell. In a closed environment, 12 men. I imagine it's not just their feet that smell. I imagine it's their whole body smells. You imagine a hot environment? I know I stink. I took my shoes off last night. It's more information you want to know. But I tell you what, my foot, my feet stink. I mean, I just took them off. And I had on two pairs of socks because my boots, are, I, need, I need thick socks to keep my boots from hurting my, my feet, the toes. And so I took my shoes off. And wow, man, just uh, Stephanie wasn't in there. Very good thing. And she wasn't there. Seriously. One of the most humbling things you can do is wash people's feet. I have no problem with feet washing if a woman with a woman, man with a man. It's not the third ordinance, but I have no problem if you want to do that as an act of, humili- uh, of humbling yourself. I think it would, it would probably behoove, I, it would be good for us. There are many denominations who have that feet washing. I, I certainly am not against it in any way. I only in a sense, I think it's the Brethren Church though, uh, Dr. Custer from the it was the Brethren Church in Columbus. He would almost make you believe it's the third ordinance. I remember Mrs. Carroll saying, Brother Tim, I think I listened to Stuart Custer today, and if I didn't know better, I think that foot washing might be the third ordinance with baptism and, and communion. And it's important, and it's, it's okay, but it's not the third ordinance. Jesus, however, if you look later on, and how do you know that, Pastor? What it says earlier on, it says in chapter, same chapter 15, for I have given you an example and by the way, we don't have that same cultural motif. If your feet are dirty when you go in the house, you might put them in the tub and, so, and you know, wash them up real quick. But we don't know. If you come to my house, I'm not washing your feet. You can even leave your shoes on. I remember we went to Funakoshi's over there in, 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 in Ukraine, and uh, we took our shoes off every time we stepped in the home right there. And I have no problem with that. I think her brother's house, we have to take our shoes off as soon as we go in there to keep this house clean. I understand that. But they don't wash our feet. I would not want them to. However, the disciples, you would think with that many disciples that one of them said, you know, somebody has got, has got to wash the feet, I will do it. But no, what are they arguing about? In Luke twenty two twenty four, and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Instead of who is the lowest and the most humble, it's who's going to be sitting there? Who's going to be sitting here? I want to know who. It's got to be me. Matter of fact, James and John's mother says, Lord, can you put one on the right, one on your left when you get there in the kingdom? I would like that. Jesus was not taken by Satan's uh, treachery, Judas's treachery. Matter of fact, he said earlier on in John 6, 70, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is the devil? That's the setting. They're serving as the humanity. Four, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, you've seen, you've seen a Star Trek likely. Uh, uh, put up the shields. Shields are up. And so they can't bomb the ship. And if they shoot the ship, it's going to deflect it. I don't think Jesus had a shield like, and he didn't have to really touch their feet. Or like, he, just, he didn't get soiled by it. And his, his nose didn't smell the feet. No, Jesus used his, the hands of God to wash the feet of of the disciples. I have no, I have no un- misunderstanding. Why did people, you know, why did Peter say, I would have said the very same thing. Lord, you're not washing my feet. Oh my goodness, I, I need to wash yours. And yet he did this. Humanity, uh, humility. I, told, I shared Wednesday night a little story about 
the pastor who was voted the most humble pastor in America. The congregation had voted him that and gave him this big medal. Last, the next Sunday, I had to take it off because he wore it. <laughs> Interesting, there was a true story in the American Revolution of a civilian who was riding along, and, and there were some revolutionary soldiers, and they were trying to build a, a barricade, and, and, and this other guy was shouting at him, and, 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 you know, and, but he was, not, he was just t- giving him all the orders by not doing deadly squat. And, and, and so the person on the horse said to the, the person who's shouting the orders, uh, why weren't you helping? He says, sir, I am a corporal. At that, the person on the horse got off the horse and helped the soldiers, and they got it done. The soldiers were exhausted. And he said, he said, this person who was in civilian clothes, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come and help you. Again, said George Washington to the corporal who was too much important to help his soldiers. After that, in verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Now, again, feet bathing is strange ritual to us, but in Bible times it is very commonplace. You can imagine that they would travel, traverse the roads in sandals and they'd get so very, very dirty. And you can imagine you probably have been to a theme park and walked all day on your feet. I can't wait to get off my feet and put them in some, maybe sit in a tub, sit on the side of the tub and get them cooled off. It's, it's a big, refreshing thing to get your feet clean. It just makes the day better. Today, we give a cup of coffee or a Diet Mountain Dew or perhaps a mocha cookie if you come in. I'm not washing your feet, though. But that's how we would say, in that culture, I would, they would wash your feet to show their hospitality. This is the example of humility. The statements about who Christ is coming from his, one with his father. I and my father are one. He's come that he might give his life a ransom for many. He's come down from the glory, ever living story. My God and Savior came and Jesus was his name. He's come. And that just makes it even greater. If I wash Brother Womack's feet, which I'd be willing to do if he wants it. Never have, I would. That's, that's not really that big a deal. But I tell you, when Jesus washed their feet, that is a big deal. Big deal. He's showing the example. There is, I can't think of a place in our lives, Christians, that pride should be a part of. Hmm. Now, I'm thankful for our for children. I understand. We said we're proud of you for doing that. I understand that. And thank the Lord that did that. But your life individually, wow, just, just look at me. That's never to be part of us. It is not. Christ shows us. George Washington got off his horse and helped the soldiers. Jesus came from glory. That you and I might see what it is like to live the Christian life. What condescension. And uh, he's already been, Judas has been already on one nefarious run. And he's getting ready to do another one. And yet he, he, he washes his feet. We see that the feet of Judas, feet washed by the Savior. A few chapters later, the feet of Jesus wounded by the sinner. Wounded by the sinners. Now, four quick applications. Humility was unannounced. He did not say, hey, ding, 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 ding. Here comes humility. Just watch this. this. That's just so, I didn't even say it like that. He would never do that. He would never. And I, was, I shared this quote yesterday with someone. 
As nature teaches us, the branch most full of fruit bends the lowest. The branch most full of fruit bends the lowest. So how low can you grow? How low can you grow? Humility is, is willing to receive without embarrassment. Peter, Peter was, was tucks his feet. I don't, don't wash mine. Humility is not a sign of weakness. Jesus boldly rebukes in the midst of the humble task. And humility does not play favorites. If I had been God, I would have gotten to, to, to Jesus' feet. I'd probably use scalding water. I mean, Peter's feet. And scalding water. Peter, wake up. Look what you're doing. Think what you're doing. And when I got to Judas' feet, it probably been ice cold and frozen his feet. If I'd have been, now, if it had been me. But he gently, it's not the scold, not the shine. He gently and humbly washes their feet. That is the serving, the setting. How about self-righteousness in verse 6? Peter says, Thou Lord... Dost thou wash thy feet? Now, I might see it, you might see it a little differently, but S was, I needed an S, so setting, serving, self-righteousness. Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Thou and my? He's aghast that one would com- confess as the Son of God. He's confessed him, and now he's washing his feet. Unthinkable. That was the wonder. And then there's the word in verse 7. Jesus answered and said to him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Evidently, a deeper lesson in this for you, Peter, if you're looking and you're watching, there's going to be deeper lessons, and it's more spiritual, not ritual. Peter would have to wait the second advent, the coming of, of the Holy Spirit, and he would understand that. The wonder, the word, the wavering. In verse 8, Lord, thou shalt not wash my feet. The idea is not while the world lasts. Lord, you're not washing my feet. But remember, Peter puts his foot in his mouth more often possibly than most but when's the last time you and I did that? Probably fairly recently. Probably. And the warning. And eight, if thou if I wash not if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And that leads to leads into the final is surrender, the totality. Verse nine Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash it all. Do you not understand what Peter's saying? Lord, I so want to be a part of you, not just my feet, but Lord, if it's that important, just wash me all. Wash it all. Surrendering. That's the totality. And how about the teaching in 10? He that is washed, needeth not saved to wash his feet. To wash here, the first wash is luo, L-U-O, L-O-U-O, meaning to bathe all over. So he that is washed, he that is bathed all over, Needeth not save to wash. That's nipto to as a attempt. Not it's a very short term. It's meaning to wash a part of your hands or your face or your feet. He's saying if you've been washed all over once, you don't need to do that again. But you do need to confess your sin, which might be your, your it might be your feet. You've gone the wrong place. It might be your hands. You've been doing the wrong thing. It might be might be your mind. You've thought about the wrong things. Those things need to be confessed. You need to confess daily. Repentance is not just for unbelievers, Christian. It's for all of us on a daily basis, perhaps even a moment-by-moment basis. If you truly, sincerely trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you need not to do that over. It's a one-time thing. But I'm telling you, that is your relationship. It is set but your fellowship comes and goes as you allow or confess your sin. Your fellowship with God comes and goes. We must be, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John, 1 John 1, 9. 
Then there's the traitor in verse 11. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, ye are not all clean. The fountain of un for uncleanness, the fountain that's going to be shed abroad at Calvary is shortly to come, and yet this one Judas would not avail himself to the blood. Provided such a cost, but he was an apostate. He was such a good-looking apostle that when he left the upper room, nobody said, hey, what's, you know, they just thought he had the money and going to something with that. They didn't say, oh, look, the traitor. He was he had a good show going on. A veiled word for Judas. You're not all clean. That was a warning to the son of Simon. Do you think he had a chance? I think he still had a chance right there to repent and to get right with God. So three applications in closing. That was sacrificial love of Christ. First of all, the unbeliever. There is joy in serving Jesus. We sang at Sunday school this morning. It is said that Benjamin Franklin was, was giving a stirring message that guarantees of the Constitution and a heckler shouted at Ben Franklin and he said these words, Mr. Franklin, all those words don't mean nothing at all. Where's all the happiness you say that's guaranteed to us? And Mr. Franklin smiled and replied, said, Sir, my friend, the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. You've got to catch it yourself. The right to pursuit of happiness. I'm telling you, I'm not asking you, by the way, if you're here without Christ, I'm not asking you to join a social club. I'm not asking you to elevate your standing in any kind of party or committee. I'm asking you to become a servant, to take up your cross. That's what salvation is. It's not some easy fare. It's not some easy believism that costs you nothing. It costs you everything. But what you're going to get is infinitely greater. The only way you live is by dying. Taking up your cross, dying to self, and following him. And carnal believer, I'm telling this true servant that Christianity is not about couch potatoes, armchair tea testers, and rocking chair dozers. It's about people who get in there and get to work and serve the Lord. That's why you're here. Otherwise, you're in heaven. And God, but if you're here, God's not done with you yet. So get to work. In your home, in yourself, telling others, whatever God's called you to do, do it. And striving, believer, how's your attitude toward humility? Are you humbly serving one another? I'm starting my, my classes this week with uh, my first class this Tuesday, training senior adults on how the basics of computers. And I'm telling you, I got my, I got my work cut out for me. Because there's going to be seven different centers that are going to have seniors who know nothing about computers. And they're going to say, now, what was that again, Mr. Wright? And how I respond is going to be so important. I saw Jesus. Well, did you really? Ron Hamilton, I think he wrote that. I saw Jesus in you. That's what the world wants. We're, they're done with lying, facades. They want to see the real thing. Jesus, the real thing. How's your love? Is it sacrificial? Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning. Oh, this just scratched the surface, hardly even that, of this humbling account of you. Lord, I'm so much about thinking the world revolves around me. And Lord, that's so far from the truth. Lord, the world revolves around you. You are the maker of it. You are the sustainer of it. You are the keeper of it. 
Lord, help us to get our, our focus right. May we turn our eyes off the world and turn it on to you. Brother Butler's decided to do that and, and praise the Lord by sharing and getting gospel or getting the Bible in the hands across the world. Praise the Lord for that. But what have we decided to do? What you've called us to do? Or some things we've all been called to do, read Bible, pray, worship together and, and serve you. But what, Lord, what is it you want us to do? May we be about that. And may we, through love, show you to other people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.